You're listening to Watching Friends on the HyperX Podcast Network. Hi there, welcome back to Watching Friends. This is Season 4, Episode 1, The One with the Jellyfish. I'm Mark. It was 5.30 in the morning and you had rambled on for 18 pages, front and back. And I'm Ryan, and I'd pee on any one of you if I had to. That is gross. Really, really gross of you, Ryan. (laughs) If you get stung by a mark, by a jellyfish, I'll step up. I'll pee on you. Yeah, we we don't need to know about your your things that you're into, Ryan. (laughs) This is meant to be a friends podcast. This could be an extra tier on the Patreon. <laughs> Ryan will pee on you to you. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh, well, before we get into this episode, I did want to, um, you know, read, read out a nice message that we had on our Patreon. We've had a couple of new members join our Patreon uh, in the last month, which is really great. And uh, we had a lovely message off of one of them. So we had a message off Paul and he says, I really enjoy the show and think whilst your personalities are different, your chemistry together is really relaxing to listen to. Mark is definitely the bigger friends nerd as I catch some of the references he makes that sometimes seem to go right over Ryan's head. But Ryan's tangents are great. We need a jingle for these for sure. And Mark's professional hosting skills bring a level of credibility to an already enjoyable podcast. Anyway, chaps, keep up the good work and thanks for all the content. Well, thank you very much, Paul, for the very kind words there. Uh, your money's in the mail. <laughs> Professional and credible, Mark. What you... And 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 Ryan doesn't know I, I, friends stuff. Yeah, I, I think I think he's got you down pretty well. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, we, we 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 do joke. Like your your knowledge of friends is still pretty high. I think it's just one or two slip ups every so often, and I'm sure I make them as well. Um, but yeah, we we. I would say that I'm like seventy percent knowledge and then like thirty percent enthusiasm. <laughs> like what I don't know, I'm excited about. <laughs> yes, and I think if we get a few more patrons on board, uh, we'll, we will definitely pay for someone to do a little jingle for us for for your tangents because, you know, we we would definitely get our money's worth out of that. Um, we also received uh, a nice message from Leslie on our Facebook, um, and he messaged to say that. Uh, He's a huge friends fan and has been has been almost from the beginning. Uh, he only participated a couple of months ago. He's still on season one, but he wanted to tell us that he's loving the podcast and he doesn't mind when I share too much. And then we had a bit of a chat about his favorite episodes and favorite seasons, which I always like to ask people when they message because I was like, "Ooh, let's find out where the community lie, like like your know, heart lies." Um, but yeah, it's very nice for us to get in touch, and we appreciate it. And I'm sure I'll continue to share way more than is probably wise. Yes, definitely, because last time we learnt what cinema seats you sit in, at what cinema and what films you are currently about to, to watch over the next few weeks. Um, but I will mention that we are recording remotely this time, so apologies for any audio hiccups that go on. Um, Ryan is very poor, doesn't have good internet. But uh, you can support us. Uh, I would like to point out that it's Virgin Media's terrible, terrible, terrible service. Uh, I have to pay the same price for it no matter how bad it is. So. 
<laughs> yeah, look, it's probably like the most expensive internet product you can get outside the city centre, and it's still rubbish. Well, you can support us on patreon.com forward slash watching friends. Uh, you know, we appreciate everyone who can afford to do so. There are definitely some perks to join in, uh, as well as being able to chat to us directly, even though you can do that via email, or whatever. Uh, you can join our little community of watching friends fans and chat with them and interact with them you can also get bonus episodes so we have literally just recorded uh episode five of joey which is exclusive to the patreon and we do other things so we did uh in the previous weeks we've done an episode where we test ryan's knowledge with a very difficult friends quiz uh which i think you would also enjoy seeing if you can know the answers to some because some of the questions were very obscure like can you name uh all the towels that monica has and she has 11 different towels. And we know Fancy Guest. What other ones were there? Um, you'd have to listen to the, the Patreon episode to, to get all the answers for that one. Uh, but yeah, so you can support us there. Yeah, I think those questions would have even stumped Jess. And, you know, she's, she's the resident super nerd of the podcast, I guess. Yeah, who we're hoping to have on again in a future episode, hopefully. Uh, but without further ado, I guess we should get into this week's episode. So as I said earlier, season four, episode one, the one with the jellyfish. This is a two-parter from the uh, season climax of uh, series three, which I really love. I love I love this two-parter episode. It's a great little cliffhanger, keeps you ready for season four. And the final episode of season three is brilliant. And this one is great as well. So I, I really can't wait to get into this one. So, we start with a recap from Joey as he's lying on some sand, but being typical Joey, he doesn't know the full story. Well, also, uh, Joey wasn't in those scenes, so it kind of also makes sense that Joey doesn't know all the details of what went on in the recap. But I, I really like this as a, a way of doing it. And it's, it is kind of interesting. They always seem to use Joey to do the recaps. Maybe he was just like the, you know, the most up for doing a bit of extra work or something. I don't know. Yeah, I really like it though. Like, because <laughs> it's weirdly meta that Joey is explaining to us what happened in the show he's a part of, but then it's still really characterful. Where at the end, it's like, you know what? Let me go get Chandler, and he, he just he just doesn't know what happened <laughs> yeah. at all. It's great. Uh, but yeah, as I mentioned earlier, this is a part two of the end of season three, uh, where Phoebe finds out her mum is alive. Uh, Chandler gets rejected by Monica, sorta. And Rachel makes uh, Ross's new girlfriend shave her head and then Ross and Rachel kiss. And now he has to choose. And if you don't know what any of that means, uh, just go and listen to our previous episode and you can kind of get up to, to speed, I think. Um, but yeah, this is a straight into it. You know, who who is Ross going to choose? Because we first cut to Ross outside two bedroom doors. He doesn't know which one to go into. Uh, which one would you pick, Ryan? Uh, uh, Rachel or Bonnie? Ooh. Mm. Or or luscious blonde I, woman or bald headed woman, as as they kind of refer to them I both. I think I I pick Bonnie. Oh, why is that? Uh, I just feel like if you're in a relationship and it hasn't worked out once, it's probably not going to work out again. That's a, that's like a you'll fair. have to have changed drastically as people for it to to change, and and I don't feel like either one drastically changed enough to make it any different well i think we are gonna find out later on in this episode uh one of them does have to change sorta 
Uh, but yeah, so Ross does actually pick one, and inside is both Rachel and his bald-headed girlfriend, Bonnie, uh, with Rachel putting lotion on her because her head got sunburnt. So in the end, he actually chose Rachel. Well, sort of, I guess. Uh, for a little while, I was unsure whose room he entered because it's very unclear to start with until Bonnie leaves, and she's like, oh, I'll be waiting for you in our room. It's like, oh, so he picked Rachel in the end and was surprised to find Bonnie there as well. But that's such an amazing like, bit of writing, though, because obviously, if you're watching this nowadays, you probably waited all of 18 seconds to watch this episode. But if you were watching episode, you know, you finish episode, the final episode of season three, and you've had to wait however many months it's been before episode four drops, episode season four, episode one drops. And you're like, who did he pick? Who did he pick? And he goes to the door and you're on tenterhooks and you're all excited. And you're like, oh, who did he pick? And then both girls are in the room. So you you've immediately had that like knowledge delayed. Your anticipation is dragged out even more. Um, and I thought it was brilliant because you're like, oh, he picked. I don't know who he picked. He doesn't know who he picked. And you have to wait even longer to find out, even though he'd been waiting months. I thought that was a really clever thing them to do. They, they, they could have been a little bit lazy as well because obviously she's rubbing lotion on her head and stuff and there's two women in the room together and they could have very easily gone with you know the whole lesbian joke again uh, which Ross has had to suffer through quite a few times at this point in the in the show but they didn't um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which, which is good uh, and then yeah so Bonnie, Bonnie leaves and Ross and Rachel they kiss again and end up quickly on the bed uh, before he has to go because you know he needs to break up with Bonnie because he can't be with Rachel now and then go over there because you know she's going to want to do stuff I mean there's a really weird part where Rachel's like can't you just tell her you're not in the mood and Ross is like she likes that and I'm like okay red flag sirens like what well yeah (laughs) we're we're, we're going to get into that with our first clip of the episode. Okay, I gotta go. Uh, I, I, I gotta go break up with Bonnie. Here? Now? Well, yeah, I can't, I can't stay here all night, and if I go in there, she's, she's gonna wanna do stuff. Can you just tell her that you are not in the mood? No, she likes that. <laughs> yeah, faking sleep doesn't work either. Mm. I can't tell you how many mornings I woke up oh. with her. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, why am I telling you that? I don't know. She sounds a bit like a predator, doesn't she, Ryan? Yeah, she certainly, you know, if this sentence was coming out of Joey's mouth, you would definitely have people writing letters. Yeah. Because I, I kind of think, like, Ross plays it off as, like, oh, you know, I kind of enjoy this, but I'm sure, like, very quickly it'd grow tiresome, especially if he wants to get some sleep. I mean, you know, you sometimes you're not in the mood. <laughs> now, uh, now, it's, it's just weird that Bonnie's a bit overly aggressive. Now, Ryan, I'm ready for some hot takes from us both, because at this moment in time, Ross is cheating yet again, and Rachel is still okay with it. A second time. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, Rachel's been entirely deplorable for an episode and a bit now. Uh, she was entirely deplorable in the previous episode where she was trying to, you know, get Ross to reminisce about their times together and chasing him around with nail varnish and just being entirely inappropriate and disrespectful to both Ross and Bonnie. Um, and then this episode has started and again, she's immediately doing the same thing, but worse because she kisses him again. Like the the hypocrisy on display here is actually mind boggling really, because how is she going to get all upset about, you know, the copy girl 
when they were on a break or whatever, and then be like, oh, that's fine though. It's okay if Ross cheats with me because we're Ross and Rachel. Like, what, what's her logic here? Like, no, it's unacceptable, and she should be ashamed of herself. Well, especially as Rachel has done this previously when Ross was dating Julie, and she was completely fine and accepting of him to cheat on Julie, and that was okay. Uh, you know, especially as they, you know, just got a cat as well. Um, and then obviously this time, like she does it, and she's like, she knows he's with Bonnie, and it's like, you know, you can't cheat on me with the copy girl, even though we were on a break. Uh, but it's fine for me to, you know, do it with you because I want you. Yeah, it's, it's it's it is horrible, and I think it makes all the kind of letter writing stuff later on just just feel even worse. I I agree, and then you know the fact that she's she's fine to kind of leave Bonnie in the lurch that way and just, you know she doesn't consider Bonnie's feelings in the slightest like you know okay well you know and then also credit to Russ like him is his and Rachel's relationship broke down because of the you know him sleeping with a copy girl and being on a break and all that confusion but he's in that exact situation again where he has the opportunity to cheat and yes he does kiss Rachel but before it goes any further he's like oh I need to go and resolve this issue because he clearly doesn't want to repeat the mistakes he made last time but because it involves Rachel, she does not care. She's like, oh, well, you know, go in the room and don't sleep with um, whatever. Just come back to me. And it's just like, no, Rachel, like, you can't accuse Ross of not, not having grown, which, you know, kind of does later on. Um, when he's actively trying to make a different and better choice this time. So Definitely, I, yeah. Because what well, would have happened if he had stayed? Oh, he would have stayed with Rachel and whatever happens in the bedroom happens. And then he's like, oh, well, I need to kind of go back there because otherwise she's going to be, where are you, Ross? Why don't you come back in? And and then what? Like, yeah, or she'll go looking for Ross, and then you know he's getting left out again, maybe. But it, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. What was what was Rachel's logic? Of, oh no, don't don't go back to your girlfriend. Stay here with me. And I'm sure you know. Like, what was she hoping that Joey was randomly going to knock Bonnie's door instead? And then oh, you know how convenient. But which does just, happen in a later series. Uh, that that's kind of like the hope that someone else will will knock and stuff but yeah we'll, we'll get into that later on but uh i'd love to hear from our listeners uh you know if they have a, a different take or if they agree with us you can write to us at contact at watchingfriends.com let us know let us know via twitter and facebook at watch friends pod or you can uh, join our patron and uh let us know there and have a little discussion with us and you know i'd love to read out some uh some listeners thoughts on this because i i think we can go into you know quite quite a lot of depth with with what ross and rachel do I, I'm curious as to the amount of people that will completely excuse uh, both Rachel's and Ross's, but primarily Rachel's behaviour because they're Ross and Rachel. He's her lobster. <laughs> and, you know, like the, the supposed romance of them two as a couple, I think people will immediately kind of like sacrifice their principles for because it's, it's you know, it's the romance of friends. But no, it's still unacceptable. After the intro, we cut to Phoebe and her mum. Uh, Phoebe is, you know, she's upset whilst her mum is trying to explain the situation. Uh, turns out her mum, Frank and Lily were all a couple. Uh, this makes our explanation from the previous show even more complicated of, you know, Phoebe's parents and who was who and related to who and whatnot. Um, but Phoebe's mum is trying her best to reconcile after, you know, it's been 29 years difficult years for phoebe um so it's not going too well it's not and it, it, it's weird because obviously this is something that 
is a really, really kind of big issue and like, could be like a huge part of the storyline. And it's kind of overshadowed by the, the Ross and Rachel stuff, which I find really weird because in terms of like being emotionally impactful, this has way more weight than the Ross and Rachel Bonnie drama. Like, you know, Phoebe's just discovered that her mum's alive and then she's got to, you know, try and deal with the fact that she abandoned her for 29 years. Then you've got all like, the guilt and the drama that, that her mum's feeling. Um, and like that's actually way more interesting than any of the Ross and Rachel stuff, but this episode doesn't really focus on it or go into it all that much. No, I, d- I don't want to, you know, jump the gun on this when discussing it, but I was thinking about this earlier, and it's just not that fun compared to all the, the other stuff going on in the episode. And so while it's like extremely heartfelt and emotional, you kind of forget about it because it's just not as entertaining. Um, but, you know, this is quite a big thing for Phoebe. And, you know, the, you can see a lot of similarities between her and her mum. You know, just they they have a lot going on, even though, you know, they weren't really in each other's lives for, you know, most of their, most of like Phoebe's life at the very least. I mean, it's weird in the sense that, I mean, maybe there was like a kind of different version of the script or an earlier earlier shoot where they did focus way more on, on this drama. And, you know, maybe people were like, this is a drag. This isn't. This isn't how you want to start season four of Friends. You don't want to start with like a heavy, mopey episode. Let's just get to the comedy and the light-hearted drama as opposed to the intense feelings. We're then at the beach house and Chandler is still bitter about how Monica let him down. Uh, which, you know, I, I quite like. I quite like the the funniness and the, you know, the, oh, I'm not your boyfriend, you know, sort of thing. Like he's, 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 he's kind of taking it well, but also kind of not. I mean, I kind of relate to Chandler in this bit because sometimes when something's bugging me, I, I will make like jokes about it a lot and can kind of struggle to let things go sometimes. Um, so um, yeah, I, I totally would still. While I think he should just let it go, I'm I'm not going to be that much of a hypocrite and say that I probably wouldn't be doing the exact same thing. Um, but well, well, no, because like yeah. he he asked her in a playful way, like you know, what if we dated and, and got brushed off. And now he's like being playful back. So I don't, I don't think it's too serious. But yeah, I, I do like the way he, you can tell there is a little bit of hurt there. And it, it's not necessarily, oh, he wants to date Monica. It is, oh, I just want you to say something nice because, you know, not many people seem to do that. And then Phoebe walks in and drops the bombshell of her mum. Uh, and then. Yeah, that's that's basically the end of the scene. You know, as 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 Phoebe walks off, and she, you know she grabs Monica because she's like, "I want to be left alone." But then she's like, "Monica, like, come on, I want to talk to you. Don't want to talk to the boys about this." Which it's it was quite funny. But I'm like, you know, if, if I say I want to be left alone, I mean I want to be left alone. Yeah, um, it's probably the difference between men and women, isn't it? Like like women probably do want to talk about it with their friends, whereas men are like, no, I need to be brooding and left alone. I mean, I guess for the most part, I'm quite feminine in that regard. As if there's an issue or a problem or like, I've got emotions going on, I pretty much just want to like say like we'll have a disagreement with someone. I just want to hammer out all the details immediately and get it resolved as soon as possible, just so I can move on and let it go. Um, which sometimes isn't what people want, but that's how my brain works. It's like, no, there's a problem. Let's fix it right now. <laughs> and I like, no, Ryan, you need to go let everyone calm down and emotionally breathe. But my brain just wants to fix things immediately because, you know, when things are fixed, things are better. Well, we're back in Rachel's room. It's over for Ross and Bonnie. It was long, and now it's super late in the night. Uh, Bonnie didn't want to stay, so she's just left. 
Now Ross and Rachel can get to the kissing. After Ross has read the letter from Rachel that she has written, she needs to know how Ross feels about her feelings. And that's where we get our second clip. There's just some things I've been thinking about, you know, things about us. And before you can even think about the two of us getting back together, I just need to know how you feel about this stuff. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's... It's 5.30 in the morning. (laughs) So I better get cracking on this, baby. I'll be waiting for you. Just come up when you're done. Okay. I'll be up in 18 pages. (laughs) Front and back. So yeah, it's 5.30 in the morning. And Rachel was being pretty smug about him reading that letter. Like, just the way she's sitting on the bed, the way she's acting. 18 pages, front and back. Absolutely love the way David Swimmer acts this out. You know, he's going to read this bad boy. Um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And I think, you know, this is one of the classics, and people use this line all the time when, <laughs> when describing having to read something or, or deal with something. Um, and I think this is the the height of we were on a break, and you, this is where you're either Team Ross or Team Rachel of like who was right. Agreed. And I think like Rachel's behaviour now is very very much pushes people towards Team Ross more. You, you know, you may have been diehard Team Rachel at the end of season three, but maybe you know midway through the first episode of season four, maybe you're slightly closer to Ross's side of the camp than you were before. Because I, I get the need for her to, to write a letter to like get her feelings out. I think that's fine and fair. It's a little bit weird because you know, she was quite happy with him not going back into to Bonnie's room. And she wouldn't have written the letter then. Uh, but she has now. And yeah, it's, it, it kind of comes back to when Ross wrote his little list between like Julie and Rachel. And was like, you know, it's not Rachel. And, you know, it's almost like the re- the reverse of that in some way. Like, she, she's getting back at him with 18 pages. Of like, oh, my God, just get to the point, uh, which we're going to discuss a little bit later on in this episode. Um, I mean, again, it, w- it, would ruin, it would ruin the comedy. Um, but if this, if I were Ross in this instance and Rachel gave me uh, 18 pages front and back, I'd be like, Rachel, it's half five. Like, I'll read this in the morning, like when I've had some sleep. And then if Rachel got, you know, defensive, I'd be like, look, this is clearly important to you, and I want to give it my full attention, not my half five in the morning just broke up with someone's attention. And, you know, hopefully that would make enough sense to Rachel to let me have a nap at the very least and then read it. Well, yeah, because it's morning and Ross is asleep on the letter. He wakes up just in time for Rachel to appear, and she wondered what happened to him. He never came back. Uh, and now this is when we get the lies. Ross hasn't read the letter, but he's pretending it was important to him, which is great. And Rachel needs to know, does it? But, you know, Ross doesn't know how to answer. He has to be careful, like, super careful here. It either does or it doesn't. And he decided it does. Even though he doesn't know what love, does means. Yeah, I love, like, the awkward, like, four seconds between him saying it does and, like, Jennifer Aniston giving away, you know, the, the kind of information that that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. You're so awkwardly tense. Even when you've seen the episode 20 times and you know exactly what's going to happen, you're still like, oh my God, oh my God, what is in trouble? It's telling clips. Um, it's still fantastic and it's aged perfectly. Yeah, I, I love these farces. And like, even in real life, you know, when someone says something, but you don't quite hear them. 
but you pretend that you do and you're like how do i give them an answer that's like so non-committal so so you know it doesn't show that i've like misheard them or something so you're like yeah that sounds potentially okay if i have some more details please uh, it was pointed out to me recently that apparently I do this and I if I tune out or aren't paying attention, when it's like my turn to respond, I'll just go, madness. And that's <laughs> yeah. my, like, my generic response to apparently not knowing what to say or, you know, essentially. So if we're ever having a conversation, I just kind of go, madness. I tuned out at some point and I forgot what we're talking about. <laughs> I didn't realise it was that obvious that I do it. I, it wasn't even really a conscious thing, but it, apparently it is something I do. So Rachel would definitely be getting a madness from me at this point. <laughs> but eventually it turns out, you know, that, that it does was the right answer. As He then tries to scramble to read the pages as they're hugging. I love the way she pushes him back into the kitchen and he can't get near the pages as well. It's an absolutely great, great moment there. We then are at the beach and Chandler and Monica are sunbathing. Uh, well, Chandler isn't showing off any skin, so I'm not sure what he's quite doing. And it doesn't actually look that warm on the beach. It looks a little bit chilly. Uh, But Joey has dug himself a hole. And it's a brilliant hole until the tide comes in and fills it. Uh, Before we get on to the next bit, I think we need to talk about Joey's hole. Who doesn't like digging a hole at the beach? I know, exactly. It's amazing. Like, he's, you know, it's it's a deep hole. And digging at at the beach, you know, the first slight little bit of layer is nice and easy to do. And as you get further down, it's more difficult. But yeah, digging holes is fun, if not sometimes a bit dangerous if you don't fill them back in properly. Yeah, this hole is what? Around like five and a half foot deep at least, and at least two foot, three foot wide. Like, it's a very impressive hole. Yeah. I don't know where the rest of the sand is. You can't really see where it's gone. But he's still he's still dug himself a hole. I, I just like um, it because like, he's, he's such a big kid. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a guy and he's like, you know, probably late 20s at this point in the show. And, you know, he's, I'm going to dig a hole. Well, you two adults over there, you do sunbathing and serious things. Yeah, it, it, it's perfectly Joey in a very sweet and relatable way where they're not kind of overly dumbing him down. It's just, I dug a hole. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> yep, you go, Joey, you dig your hole. So, yeah, as I said, he dug, he dug a hole and the tide came in and filled it, which ruined his hole a bit. Um, all this is going to be taken way out of context at some point in time, I'm sure. Uh, but at the same time, Monica gets stung by a jellyfish. Now, it's not something us Brits have to think about when we go swimming in the sea, uh, for many reasons, including the sea being absolutely freezing, it being very dirty, and the weather here being really cold, so doesn't really happen that much. Uh, plus, you know, there isn't really jellyfish uh, around the British shores. Uh, but I remember when I first went to Australia as a kid that one of my cousins got stung, and, like, you know, for the first time I was like, oh, you know, jellyfish being like near you is actually a thing, and it could happen on like a packed beach filled with loads of people without any warning. Like you have no idea that they're there; they just appear in the current, and then you're stung, and then they're gone again. You don't even don't even see them or notice them. Yeah, I mean, I I spent a lot of like, all of our early uh, kind of family holidays as a kid were to to a place in Wales, and it was you know mostly pebble beaches, and it was cold and dreary, and occasionally we'd we'd see a uh, a jellyfish, I almost said octopus then, a jellyfish like washed up on the shore, but it would be like a beach event, like every kid from like a mile around, it would be like, jellyfish! And, like, you'd all be stood there like looking at this jellyfish, trying to work out, could it still sting you if you touched its tentacles, but never being dumb enough or brave enough to try. Um, well, they they so, just yeah, looked like, like, like blobs of snot, didn't they? Because they didn't look like jellyfish, they were just like these weird translucent blobs on the beach when they're dead. 
So you're like, oh, what's this thing? They kind of give me the, the Wiggins a little bit. Ugh. Well, and this is where we get our third clip. I'm a little tired from digging the hole. <laughs> oh, damn the jellyfish! Damn all the jellyfish! I gotta do something. Well, there's really only one thing you can do. What? What is it? You're gonna have to pee on it. <laughs> what? Gross! Don't blame me. I saw it on the Discovery Channel. You know what? He's right. There's something like uh, ammonia in that that kills the pain. Well, forget it. It doesn't hurt that. <laughs> If you want some privacy, you can use my hole. So before we get into uh, asking Ryan about peeing on people, because he seems to know a lot about it, uh, I did like the way they said, like, oh, it's like two miles back to the beach house. It's like, oh, well, they were already on the beach. Did they, they must have walked further down the beach or to, to a different beach or something. Uh, I was like, that's like quite a nice touch there. And I really like Joey going, oh, Maybe you know, Joey. I'm, 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 I'm tired from digging my hole. Yeah, maybe Joey needed some prime hole territory. You know, like, no, I don't want to dig my hole here. It's not the right spot. I can imagine that being something Joey would do, dragging his friends two miles down the beach uh, because he wants to dig his hole in the perfect spot. Uh, but def- but depending on the jellyfish, uh, they can sting or they can just make you itch or they can just kill you, um, which is interesting. So I think either way, like if they if they sting you and it's just, even if it's just itches, like it is horrible, like the the itch and the rash that you get, um, and depending on the the jellyfish, like some of them could be be really painful for like either just a short period of time or for for really long periods of time, or as I said, they can just kill you. So, and you don't necessarily know what has stung you, uh, because it's just in the in the ocean and off it goes. Um, so yeah, it's it's something that when you go to warmer countries and you realise there's jellyfish around you. You are a bit more frightened of them, and like I've, I've been swimming with jellyfish, and like that was like super interesting. But uh, they were jellyfish that I was told that they can't sting you or really do anything. Um, but that that was like really cool to do. But yeah, when you've seen like the the man of war on TV and stuff with his like massive long tentacles that will just spike you and stuff, just ugh, it makes you not want to go to the beach. Yeah, the ocean is scary. But Joey has the answer, though, to this stinging. Uh, someone is going to have to pee on it. Apparently, Joey saw it on the Discovery Channel. So, one, Joey watches the Discovery Channel occasionally and actually learned a fact. Um, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil it for you. It's not really a fact, because before we go on, there is no truth to the myth that peeing on a jellyfish sting can make it feel better. Uh, numerous studies have found that it simply doesn't work. And one of the possible reasons this myth became popular could be due to the fact that urine contains compounds like ammonia and urea uh, or it could just be friends because I think most of us learn that peeing on a jellyfish sting uh, from friends that's, that's the place I know it from I, I don't remember the first time I heard it it's one of those like ubiquitous things where you know like old wise tale everyone just kind of knows like it's just yeah, or thinks they know at least. Um, you just, yeah, you pee on it, it works. Um, I mean, my brain would assume that he was probably be more to like the pH balance than than anything else potentially. But like, it's weird because ammonia is used in like smelling salts and stuff, isn't it? Like, it's a yeah. it's used to stop you fainting. Um, so it's weird that you know, but like, oh, it stops my jellyfish sting. 
Cause, cause, but I always assume it was supposedly based on pH. Well, what you're meant to do is you're you're meant to clean it first, obviously, and pee in on sink. That's that's an open wound is not a great idea. Uh, pull out the the little barbs if there's any that are visible, because obviously they're going to keep reacting. And apparently, like vinegar, so that that's your pH reference there. I think uh, put like vinegar on it can help. Uh, but I guess really you need to find medical attention to figure out you know what has stung you exactly and what you need to do about it. Fair. See, life advice from watching Friends podcast. Yeah, where else are you going to find that? And with that thought on our minds, we're going to take a quick break. Mark and I create this podcast in our own time, and we'd love to bring you more content. To do that, we need your support. Join the Watching Friends community at patreon.com forward slash watching friends. Our £5 tier also available in dollars, will get you the ad-free version of the show, access to the exclusive content, such as our episode all about James Michael Tyler, our top 10 rankings of everything from the best episodes to our favourite guest stars, and our exploration of all the weird and wonderful Friends merch, Friends Fest, and much more. And beginning at the end of January, Mark and I will delve into the fantastic spin-off series, Joey, only available to patrons, help shape the future of our content with access to our Patreon polls, we're there for you. Be there for us and the rest of the Watching Friends community at patreon.com forward slash watching friends. Well, Phoebe is now ready to leave the beach house and comes across Ross and Rachel being obnoxiously sweet. Uh, poor Bonnie, though. And then Chandler, Joey and Monica enter and they're just staring blankly ahead. They don't want to talk. Which seems pretty odd. Like, you know, what did they get up to at the beach? And then as Rachel is getting ready to leave to, to get ready to pack, uh, Ross reads more of the note and it so does not. I love the way he says this. He's, he's so, like, outraged and surprised <laughs> at the same time. Like, it so does not. Like, it's great. And we're now back from the beach house at Central Perk where we've got our fourth clip. Me to take responsibility for everything that went wrong in our relationship. I mean, she goes on for five pages about about how I was unfaithful to her. We were on a break. <laughs> oh my God! If you say that one more time, I'm gonna break up with you. <laughs> Which I think is an absolutely fantastic line because <laughs> we have heard we were on a break many times by now. Yeah, and especially if you're, you know, part of the friendship group, you're so sick of this drama and this, like, debate that's never going to get settled or end. Well, because apparently Ro uh, Rachel wants Ross to take full responsibility for everything that went wrong in their relationship and even included five pages dedicated to how he was unfaithful to her. Bit hypocritical there, Rach. Uh, as we've already discussed with the whole cheating on, you know, Julie and Bonnie with you. I mean, maybe Bonnie and Julie could write 18 pages, nine each, um, to Rachel about why what she did was wrong. Exactly. Like, Ross doesn't need to take full responsibility. Like, Rachel bears some of the responsibility here. You know, she was not clear what we need to be on a break means, because Ross obviously took it differently to, to her. She basically meant, let's just have some time apart for like a day or two to, to calm down. And he was like, oh, our relationship's over. Um, 
you know, the, the lack of communication. And, you know, Rachel has done like some bad things as well in their relationship. It wasn't all on Ross. Um, you know, and, and Ross has like a lot of neuroses and things that he, he had to deal with and get over himself, like with previous stuff that had happened in their lives together and even, you know, Rachel's relationships and all sorts. So it is really unfair to put all the blame on him. Yeah, I'd, I kind of want to read all 18 pages front and back. Like, I, I'm like, what exactly did she pin on him? Like, he mentions the main bit being about being supposedly unfaithful. Um, but I do want to know, like, what what exactly is the rest of the, the you know, those other 12 pages? Like, what are they? Well, it's only five pages, pages. And, and you know, it's, it's 18 front and back. So it's, it's you know, double 18. Um I've I've I kind of think it's going to be a lot of waffle, a lot of gaslighting, a lot of blaming Ross for things that you know it it probably makes Rachel feel better, but it's unfair on Ross definitely. I feel like part of it is Rachel feels a bit foolish as Rachel thinks or believes that Ross cheated on her and no amount of, you know, we're on a break logic is ever going to change that. So I feel Rachel kind of feels foolish like why am i why am i taking a cheetah back and you know it's not something you people would normally advise that you do um and i think part of it is her trying to kind of make herself feel less foolish by pushing it all onto us being like oh it's okay for me to make this decision because i'm you know an angel and russ was the villain and therefore i'm not a fool because russ has changed and he's a new man and it's, yeah it's just it's not good at all but as Chana says, you know, he has what he wants now. He just needs to take this on the chin. Like, he has to either accept responsibility and be with Rachel, the thing he wants, or if he wants to have his, you know, his pride or, or whatever else, then he's going to lose Rachel, which is not what he wants. I did find it weird that Chana's like, Rachel's the best thing to ever happen to you, because I don't necessarily think she has been. Uh, certainly with all the arguing going on, I wouldn't say that's a, a great relationship or... A great time. Yeah, I don't think she's the best thing that ever happened to Ross. I mean, it's clearly like clearly Julie was the best thing to happen to him, Ross. Point. Yeah, agreed. Um, but I think you know Ross is kind of like you know it's all the history, isn't it? Like he wanted her for so long, and she's Rachel, and she's almost like on this pedestal of of desire, I guess. Uh, so I kind of get where Chandler's coming from. Like you know, this is Rachel. Like this is what you've always wanted. You know now you know wanting something and getting what you want aren't always the same thing like you know sometimes it's not quite as good as as you imagined it would be um which you know is a shame but that's just that's just life but it's he's kind of not wrong um or again they need to handle it properly and actually have an open conversation like i probably wouldn't read the 18 pages like if, if someone presented me 18 pages i'd be like why can't we just have this conversation like why can't we talk about this because it's so easy to, I mean, look at like text messages, for instance, it's so easy to misread the tone of a text message. And, you know, if you've got 18 pages front and back of text messages, there are going to be many things that kind of emotionally hit Russ when he does read it. And that's just going to build and build and build because he can't break it down and discuss bits of it to kind of level off the emotion. So it's a very like toxic thing to do in general. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I do think Chandler's kind of right. He does have to either kind of go, right, I can just shut up and not worry about this and just accept the blame. Um, or you know, tell Rachel, I I'm not accepting this blame, and if that means we can't be together, so be it. Which, to be honest, you probably should have done. Yeah, 
Uh, well, Joey says there are just some things on that trip you should just never talk about as he looks at Chandler. What did happen on that beach? And there's a there's a moment that comes up later um, that happens similarly to, to me in my life, which I, I won't go into the details of the story. Um, but me, me and a friend found out a secret about a work colleague uh, because of something they did at work. Um, using their work emails, so I will tell you now, do never never use your work emails for personal stuff. Uh, because we had to like go through them and we found all this stuff out. And we didn't want to tell anyone because of what, what was in there. But eventually, the other person that found this out with me, uh, they they cracked. And it played out exactly like Joey here of like, you know, we must never talk about this. No one can know what we know. Um but I, so I really, I really love this scene just, just for that memory for me, but also just the way Joey kind of makes it obvious, like as he stares at, at Chandler in the face, is like, we will never talk about what happened at the beach. I, I don't know where I'm getting this phrase from in my memory, but it's somewhat akin to if one person knows it's a secret, if two people know it's information, <laughs> just kind of, just kind of <laughs> like it's, yeah, like it's only a secret if only one person knows it because it will come out. People. People, I mean, I'm dreadful at keeping secrets unless you expressly tell me it's a secret and then I'm still pretty crap at it. At least you admit it now because in previous previous episodes you have definitely told us that you're amazing at keeping secrets. So I'm, I'm glad you've come around and can finally admit that. Only because I was given some constructive feedback about the situation by people who listened to it and were like, Ryan, you can't keep secrets. And I was like, try really hard. But yeah, and you fail. So I'm having to own up to that, I guess. Well, Phoebe is now at Ursula's. Uh, turns out Ursula already knew about their real mum and it was in their fake mum's suicide note. And then Phoebe wants to see the note and Ursula quickly writes one out <laughs> and gives it to her. And then she talks about the poem and then she goes away to write the poem. And yeah, it's just, it's just a small little scene. Uh, and it's kind of weird that, that Ursula knew this stuff and kind of horrible. That she never told Phoebe any of this despite knowing it. Ursa is such a like a, a, a weird, so interesting character. Yeah, like it's amazing as a character that she has any kind of successful relationships or any friends or anyone in her world at all. Because she's just every time we see her, she's just horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like like how how does she get by socially in life being as horrible as she always seems to be? Well, when she dates, you know, Joey and the, the other guy whose name escapes me at this point in time, um, you know, she she treats them absolutely disgustingly, and yet they they still come back for more. And same with with Phoebe. Like Phoebe's a nice person, so she clearly wants to try hard with with her sister. Uh, but stuff like this would make you just just hate them. Like this is such a big secret, and you're like, you couldn't have told me that in all the times we've met. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're back at Monica's and there is awkward air in the room between Monica and the boys. Uh, they can't even look at Monica. Thankfully, Phoebe enters to distract them. And this is when eventually the game crack after Ross and Rachel keep asking them what did happen on that trip. And that's where we have our next clip. Come on, what happened, Joey? All right. No, Joey, we swore we'd never tell. They'll never understand. We have to say something. We have to get it out. It's eating me alive. <laughs> Monica got stung by a jellyfish. All right. All right. <laughs> I got stung. 
stunk bad. <laughs> I couldn't stand. I, I couldn't walk. We were two miles from the house. <laughs> we were scared and alone. We didn't think we could make it. I was in too much pain. And I was tired from digging the huge hole. <laughs> and then Joey remembered something. I'd seen this thing on the Discovery Channel. Wait a minute. I saw that on the Discovery Channel. Yeah, about jellyfish and how if you... She needed help. If I had to, I'd pee on any one of you. Only, uh, I couldn't. I got the stage fright. I wanted to help, but there was just too much pressure. So, so I, uh, I turned to Chandler. Joy kept screaming at me, do it now, do it, do it, do it now. Sometimes late at night, I can still hear the screaming. You know what, I think that whole scene probably has to be... My joke. My joke. But it might be another one. I hit again, Mark. Again? Always. My joke. My joke. Uh, so yeah, Joey, he just needs to to get it out. He he can't, can't keep that information there. And I I love this whole scene and all the speeches from them. They really set the scene and mood. Uh, just just the storytelling and the way they pause and everything is is great. And then the bit you get to where Monica goes, she had to pee on herself, and they'll go ew as if that's like really gross. Uh, and then like it turns out she couldn't get the angle right to be able to do it, which is a uh, you know, something you don't really want to think about too much. And then we get another ooh when it's said that Joey was going to pee on her. And I love, like, how, like, strong and heroic he sounds. He's like, yeah, you know, I stepped up. I was going to do it. And then I got the stage right and couldn't do it anymore. And then the scream that Chandler does, like, where he's, like, screaming into his fist, it's just, like, a, a really cool noise. And then it's like where Joey's going, like, do it, do it, do it now. Like, like, Joey, you can't be like that after you had stage fright and now you're forcing me to do it. I just, I kind of wish we'd got to see it because I can just imagine him screaming, do it, do it now, because Joey's going to be really concerned about poor Monica because Joey is such a sweetheart. And I can just imagine Chandler's awkward face as he kind of squirms and squints trying to pee on her. But it, it sounds absolutely fantastic. Or it's very, I'm very sad we didn't get to see it acted out. No, because you can definitely imagine there being discussion of like, well, I don't want her to, to see my thing, right? So... How how can I do that? Where do, where do I stand so I can pee on you, but you don't see anything? Like you definitely know Chandler would have been been thinking about that for sure. And then Joey <laughs> Joey there, like you know, egging him on to to do it while Monica's screaming in pain. Like just just everything about this scene yeah. is is brilliant. 
Chandler screaming, close your eyes, Monica, look away, look away. It's just <laughs> like, <laughs> it really weird. Oh, but I did love, I love the bit where Joey is like, you know, I, if I had to pee on any one of you and it's like, well, yeah, if, if, if your friend was on fire and you had to pee on them to put them out, like you probably would, right? You wouldn't be like, oh no, it's gross. It pee. You'd just be like, nope, going to do this weird thing. Oh, I wouldn't want to be like, you know, stood, stood over your coffin uh, with your whole family looking at me and your mum crying, whacking me with a handbag because I wouldn't pee on you. I'm like, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I'd, rather, I'd rather pee on you and you live than have to deal with your family being angry that I didn't pee on you. Well, we're back at Central Park and Phoebe is doing another cute song when her mum appears. Phoebe's mum tells her how she regretted every day and wants to have a connection with her daughter now. And this is like really sad because Phoebe's like, no, I don't, I don't want this. Like, I haven't had you for 29 years of my life. I don't need you now. Um, but eventually Phoebe breaks and accepts her back into her life, which is nice and sweet. And I'm glad that she did instead of, you know, trying to stick to her guns on that one. I mean, again, with, with parts of my uh, life, I guess, relating to, to friends, uh, and thankfully not a Ross moment, uh, my dad wasn't around for the vast, vast, vast majority of my growing up. I think I probably saw him two, three times between the age of like one and my late teens. Um, so I understand kind of like the, the kind of, I guess, the anger and resentment that Phoebe's kind of feeling now, like the kind of like betrayal and the hurt, and there's a lot of kind of mixed emotions going on. Um, and yeah, I guess like the relationship was like kind of me and my dad never really got anywhere, and then eventually he passed away, and it was like, oh, well, I ain't going anywhere now. Um, but it was it was very different. I mean, he wasn't as sweet as Phoebe's mum. Uh, you know, he was very much uh, making excuses at the time, and oh, you know, I did, it. and I was like, just, no, stop. I'm like, we can try and have a relationship if you want, but you need to start with the nonsense. Like, you messed up, just accept you messed up, like, and go from there. But he was one thing he could never actually do. So I do understand where kind of Phoebe's coming from initially where she's like no stay away from me like you don't miss what you didn't have um be gone so I kind of get where she's coming from yeah because but I agree it is nice that she you know give kind of gives in because it doesn't not it's not actually how she feels she does she does want the relationship yeah because from Phoebe's mum's perspective you can understand why she kind of kept away because you know how does she uh... After after a certain amount of time, at any point in time, come back and be like, "Hi, I'm your mum." By the way, like it, you understand the difficulty of of what she did to start with, and the longer it goes on, the more difficult it becomes. But you know, she she wants to try and make up for that now, and I'm glad that that it ends on a nice note where Phoebe does, you know, agree to that. They don't have to be best friends; they can just see how it goes, right? Uh, but at least she gets to find out, you know, who her mum actually is. I like how the the questions like Phoebe asks her uh, are like the the softest, easiest questions in the world, just so Phoebe can feel like you know. Well, we have got things in common, so it would be a waste to not explore this. Um, you know, she's like puppies, cute or ugly, and her, her mum's like cute, and she's like, oh my god, she's <laughs> yeah. like really excited and like oh, it's clear what you're doing here, Phoebe, but you know we'll stand for it. We know it's cute. We're now in bed with Ross and Rachel, where there is way too many cushions. And they have like the ugliest bedspread because they look like a sofa pattern or something than, you know, what you'd normally have on a bed. I can't tell if they are actually just on a sofa with blankets or in a bed with just really ugly blankets. It's going to sound cliche and borderline sexist, but women are obsessed with copious amount of cushions on 
every bit of furniture that you can sit or lie on, whether it's <laughs> yes. sofas or especially beds. And I, I understand that it, it looks nice when, you know, the bed's made and, you know, but you're not running a show home. I don't care. Um, I'll sometimes I even make a bed. I'll just get out of it and then you know, busy day, get home, get back in it. Like I need to make it. Like I'm the person in it. So yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So so listeners and Ryan, tell me when you go to a hotel and they have that big long pillow at the end of the like on the foot of the bed and sometimes at the top, do you just push that off onto the floor and then go? This is taking up my valuable hotel floor space, or do you enjoy having it there? Normally, I'll dump it on the chair or the sofa that's in the room. I tend not to just chuck it on the floor. That feels rude. Uh, but no, I mean to get rid of it. The thing that I do hate even more on hotel beds is that stupid, like, I don't know, foot in width uh, bed scarf. I don't even know what you call it. It's probably got a name. Monica wouldn't know what it was called. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, they kind of took it into the bed so it stops the sheet going up. But I hate feeling like tied in, and I hate them. And that gets ripped off straight away, even before the. The stupid overlong cushion. Um, hate it. Yep. So, Cushions are just a nightmare. Pillows are not right? Especially if you go to someone's house point. and it says on the cushion, live, love, laugh on it. Oh, yeah, just no. Trick it, trick it out of the window. Um, I have precisely... Uh, I'm going to have a look. Three cushions are on my sofa. Two are the cushions that came with the sofa that are like the same colour as the sofa in there. You know, it's, it's like a set. Um, and then the one is a fleece cushion that turns into a blanket that I got from like a work event that's like super cozy. And it's, you know, it's like, oh, look, it's, it's warm. So it can be a cushion and it's comfortable. And now it's cold. So it can be a blanket. It's very versatile and very nice. Um, but yeah, that's about it. There's just, there's no clutter really. It's just, you know, pure function. Um, but I will say, that I guess at this point it's almost a meme in in my relationship where me and my partner accuse each other of the other one pushing the pillows off the bed in the night. Like she does this, it's not me. Um, but obviously, I just recently got back from visiting her, and yep, there the three cushions, the three pillows on the bed, and then you wake up and one's on the floor, and we constantly blame each other, and it's become a meme at this point. Like it's like our version of you were on a break. It's just you <laughs> push your pillows over, and neither one of us. Will ever admit to it? No, I can't admit to it because I don't do it. Um, but yeah, it's just become like a comic coming at this point. I, I'm glad you got that on on record for everyone to know. <laughs> yep, I mean, it should probably be listening to this screaming at the speaker, like it's always you, but it isn't me. Like I can't when wait I got till there the other day. My... Well, yeah, I can't wait till next week when what? we have listener feedback from your partner. Well, I this year I've got proof now. Um, here's my evidence. I present to the court. Uh, is, I, is this where I need a need a need a need a Ryan tangent jingle? Yeah, well, it's my proof. Um, I arrived at like six a.m. and uh, by the time I got to hers, it was like eight o'clock, and I want I needed a nap, but she'd woken up, so she didn't want to go back to sleep. So she went off and did whatever she was doing, and I went to sleep and had a nap in the bed uh, with all three pillows on the bed. And when I awoke several hours later, guess how many pillows were on the bed, Mark? None. All three of them. No, all three. So there you go, proof. I have proved that I did not do it. So logic logic dictates that she is the person that pushes the pillows onto the floor. Well, the getting back to Ross and Rachel in bed together rather than uh, Ryan and partner in bed. That's, that's a different podcast entirely. Uh, Rachel, you, you just reminded me of pillows and women in pillows and my brain was like, <laughs> this, is, this is relevant. 
Rachel has to dig it in, though. Uh, she's so proud of Ross owning up to everything. Uh, especially as Rachel's mum had told her, once a cheater, always a cheater. And, yeah, Ross can't deal with this and shouts, we were on a break. And, yeah, like, Rachel didn't have to, like, keep rubbing it in. It's like she knew that Ross, like, was lying or something, just the way she kept on going on and on and on. They're just little needly jabs and, like, you should be proud of yourself, Ross. You've seen so much growth. And it's like, oh, my God, you, you are just trying to make Ross explode at this point. <laughs> Even if, like, there's no other reason to, you know, just enjoy the happiness, Rachel. Well, if you've got to go over it and over it, you did 18 pages front and back. You don't need, you don't need a verbal recap of the whole thing. Just be happy that Ross accepted it and leave it alone. So, yeah, Ross shouts, we're on a break, and that's where we get into argument part one. But if time was what you needed just to gain a little perspective... <laughs> We were on a break! Coffee house? You bet. And for the record, it took two people to break up this relationship. Yeah, you and that girl from the coffee place, which yesterday you took full responsibility for. I didn't know what I was taking responsibility for, okay? I didn't finish the whole letter. What? I fell asleep. You fell asleep? <laughs> it was 5.30 in the morning. And you had rambled on for 18 pages. <laughs> Front and back! <laughs> oh, 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 and by the way, Y-O-U apostrophe R-E means you are. Y-O-U-R means you're. Okay, I think I'm going to have to use this for the second time in the episode. My joke. My joke. And probably for both parts of this argument. Uh, I really love... Uh, Rachel's voice when she's like you fell asleep and just goes extremely high and Ross is arguing back of you know 18 pages front and back uh, just some absolutely classic lines in a classic Ross and Rachel argument and also the, the gang deciding to you know this time leave and go to the coffee house because last time they were trapped in the bedroom during an argument and they're like let's get out of this one Yeah, it did. It, it, I don't know why she delivers the line like you fell asleep, but it, it, it is one of those, one of those things where it's just easily quotable and just sticks in, sticks in the guy's guess the friend zeitgeist, doesn't it? Um, I, I last counted amount of times over the years where like someone in my life, like a sister or a friend's fan, has said lie and they, they went to bed or had a, went to sleep, and I'm like, you fell asleep, and one, someone will make, someone will do it. You can't not do it. it it's a compulsion at this point. And I've got to love Ross explaining in grammar. Uh, you know, that's, that's typical Ross there of being like, Y-O-U-R means you're. Y-O-U-R, you know, R-E means you are. Like, absolutely brilliant. Because you know that Rachel, you know, is probably not the best at her grammar and her spelling and stuff like that. And probably doesn't care when writing a letter. But Ross definitely would care about that sort of stuff. I would care. Yes, yes, we know you're Ross, definitely, and when I hear, heard it, I was definitely thinking about you, because I knew you would definitely bring that up in your argument, even though it doesn't matter at all, uh, you know, gotta, gotta love Ross being pedantic like that, and that's where... I, I would try really hard not to say it. I, I don't know if I'd be able to not say it at this point, because I'd be upset and angry, and, you know, they're just having firing shots at each other, but I'd like to think I could let it go. But I probably would say it. 
Well, and this is where we get into part two of that argument. You know, I can't believe I even thought of getting back together with you. We are so over. Fine by me! Oh, Helen, hey, hey, hey! Those little spelling tips will come in handy when you're at home on Saturday nights playing Scrabble with Monica. Hey! Sorry. I just feel bad about all that sleep you're going to miss wishing you were with me. Oh, no, no, don't you worry about me falling asleep. I still have your letter! And hey, just so you know, it's not that common, it doesn't happen to every guy, and it is a big deal! I knew it! Oh, I, I, I need to do do the, the line again. My joke. My joke. Because everything about this is just amazing. The, the back and forth, it's like a tennis match, where, you know, Rachel like sends it one way and then Ross sends it back again. The whole bit where, um, you know, Rachel's like, oh, you know, you, you're not going to be able to, like, sleep, you know, because of me and everything. He's like, I still have your letter. It's just absolutely great. I mean, Mark, you can't pick every moment of this episode to be your joke, but I get what you tempted to. Um, it, yeah, it's there's so much in, you are right, it is like a tennis match of amazing comedy burns. I love that, like, Rachel gets Monica in the crossfire as well. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. home and said, no, Monica's like, hey! He's just like, what we're getting? We're getting told off. <laughs> but it's when, like, right, she's like, oh, we're so over. And Russell's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. fine by me. And he, <laughs> it's so petty and, like, this ridiculously cheerful lie. But it's hilarious. Yeah, I, it, It's absolutely brilliant. Ro- yeah. Well, Ross is brilliant. Like, yeah, he's very petty with Monica, but then he does it with Rachel with the whole, you know, oh, I'm going to pretend to cry and then be like, nope, for a moment. Like, just so childish. And I love it when he does it with Monica, but when he does it with Rachel as well, it's just great. I think that, that Ross wins the argument um, purely from the don't worry about me falling asleep. I still have your letter because that's so on point and on topic that I feel like he wins. And you can tell he wins because Rachel has to resort to a kind of manhood impotency joke uh, yeah. to try and get a win. And that crosses a line, and I feel like that's kind of her admitting defeat in the argument. Well, I, I like the way that when this all happens, Ross goes for the door. Chandler hides behind the door, like against the wall. And I was like, well, you know, where, where's he got to go, like in this scene? So... You know, he, he can't really go across the door or into the kitchen because that's not a good position. So they hide him behind the door, which is really clever while this is all happening. then, yeah, Rachel comes out with her, you know, thing to, to make men feel smaller about themselves, even though, you know, while she's like going, you know, it is a big deal. It, does ha- it doesn't happen to her. We go blah, blah, blah. She doesn't mean it. She's just being spiteful. But I absolutely love yep. the way Chandler just bursts out from behind that door and just goes, I knew it, as if like he has also heard that line many times from women. <laughs> yeah, like he just confirms every neurotic fear that Chandler's ever had. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yes! He finally feels vindicated. Like, I knew I should be embarrassed. Because this, Chandler. this is also a callback to Ross and Rachel kind of first getting together where he rolls over the juice box and Rachel's like, oh, it's, it's okay. And then he goes, oh, no, just roll over the juice box. So, like, she's, like, so relieved at that. Yep. Because cause it's also, um, like, a, a big joke in, like, the American Pie series uh, and all sorts. Um, but I think you're right. Like, her using that as an argument, it, it, it ends the argument 
but not as a win for her, but as a win for Ross. She she may as well just quit at that point because you know you've you've gone too far. You, you you've gone you've gone below the belt, so to speak, and therefore you immediately lose. Plus, Ross's response of "I've got your letter" is so much wittier than oh, sex joke." It's just like, "Yeah, no, you fail. I, uh, you fail, it, Rachel." Green. It's difficult though when you're in arguments like that. Like you can't let the other person win and just go. You know what? Right, you won. That was that was a good comeback, and I and I have nothing to respond to. You can't answer that way. So you grab at anything, which is what she's done. And yeah, she has grabbed at something that, that could be potentially powerful, but I think it loses the argument for her. There's a, a stand-up comedian called uh, Bill Burr who's very funny, who I like quite a lot. And uh, he has a routine about arguing with women and however like however many years of his life he's worked out how women argue. And it's like, if women are right, they stick to the point and they make sure you stay on the point until they beat you into submission with the, the point and you lose the argument. But if they're wrong, once they realise they're starting to lose the argument, they'll just start saying the most messed up stuff to you at all so that you lose your temper and swear at them them and then you swearing at them trumps whatever they did to start the argument in the first place um and uh, yeah i feel like that's play for play what happens here like rachel kind of knows i guess she's out of line and the, the 18 pages front and back and the constant comments were you know too much and, and she just loses the argument and has to resort to you know the last desperate attempt well that, that's so, yeah, that's definitely the... a win for ross that's the classic comedy joke, though, isn't it? Of of like the the woman going, "Well, remember that time when you did this? That was like ten years ago, sort of thing." And it's like bringing up old things that clearly weren't important because you would have mentioned them at the time. Um, but yeah, I I think you're you're right there. Like it's if you're losing the argument, you 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 grasp at anything to kind of get a win for yourself. Agreed. And then we have the the credits happening, and Monica and Chandler are paying cards. When Chandler brings up uh, about them being a couple again, and you know he says, you know, you know, if we were a couple, we could be playing this naked, which is a weird fault after their the whole strip poker thing. Um, but Monica, this time, you know, she gives Chandler what he wants to hear, and then adds that he will always be the guy that peed on her. And uh, I need to ask if you ever peed on anyone, Ryan? No. That's the end of that conversation. There is no random tangent <laughs> story here. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no random tangent where I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I peed on them. No, I have never. Um, no, but, know, I, but you know, at the same time, she's like, you know what, Chana, you're a great guy, but I always think of you as the guy that peed on me. It's like, well, no, that's that's probably not the the worst thing to think. Like, she could have gone with, you know, I always think of you as a brother or we're two closest friends or whatever. But the guy that peed on you, like I think, by that point you might as well be in the relationship anyway. Well, it kind of it kind of resets the dynamic, I guess, because she basically gives what he wants. But then, you know, Chandler being Chandler, she's like, "I need to reset this because if I tell him that, he's going to ask me out." <laughs> so, so I need to like, you know, I need to give him what he wants and then immediately neuter it. So it's like, oh, you know, yeah, you're a great guy, you know, you could work, but it's never going to work because you peed on me, and that's not your fault. It's just a, a, a happenstance of our friendship. But, oh, too bad. And then Chandler's like, oh, great. I, I can't be with Monica, but not because of me, because of what happened. And it kind of satisfies uh, Chandler's insecurity, I guess, and pride. Because I, I don't actually Chandler think... Well. I don't actually think at this point he wants to, to be with her or ask her out. I think he's just... You know when you ask people a question just because you want to hear the answer? Or maybe you want to hear hear someone say something nice to you and you think, like, well, they're my friend. They might actually, like give me a nice response and because they're your friend they generally don't they give you like the the one you don't want to hear i i think at this point in time yeah 
I think at, the, at this point in time, he's just like asking her, like, "Hey, what if we dated?" Like, just just casually and not really thinking deeper about it, because they're they're good friends, and that's how he will sees it. But I do wonder from the I, writers. I think that's how it starts. Well, yeah, because I'm wondering from the writers' but perspective, I, I think... like at this point, are they are they trying to like tee up the Monica and Chandler thing that happens later on in the series? Because they, I know at the time they said like, oh. It was only meant to be like a a one time thing. They weren't meant to become a couple, but like it worked so, out so well that we made them a couple sort of thing. And is this teeing it up, or is it just kind of just random banter that kind of somehow does luckily pay off later on? I, I don't think it was like any particular like foreshadowing. I think it was just you know a plot point. Um, but I do think that probably there's probably quite a lot of guys out there that if their female friend was like, you know what, your heart, we could date. Even if they were just friends at that point, I feel like that sentence a lot of guys would be like, hmm, there's a chance here. Like, you know, I think, so I think, you know, she successfully reset it because I, I guarantee that I I know friends who are both male and female that if, you know, the the girl said to the guy, you know, oh yeah, we could date, they would immediately be hitting on her because, yes. you know, it's like, oh, green flag. Um, so I think, you know, that's why she has to reset it because guys are still guys at the end of the day and they'll be like, ooh. Well, so if it was the other way around, I think um, most women think that, you know, Men are potentially always available for them in in some way, whereas I think the you know the opposite is true. I think like a woman could tell a a guy that oh you know yeah you're good looking, and or be told that they're good looking and he wouldn't necessarily mean anything. He'd be like oh thanks I feel cute today and that would be the end of it. You know they wouldn't necessarily be like oh you know we could be could be a thing now. I mean who knows it it depends on on the dynamic I suppose. But in yeah. general I feel like women would hear that and just take it as a compliment whereas a uh, a guy would hear it and kind of take it as a green light yeah definitely well this has been an absolutely amazing episode another fantastic start to a season uh, so so many jokes so much uh like meme worthy material that has you know stood the test of time and like you say the whole phoebe storyline kind of gets drowned out by all the, the laughter and noise and the fun of, of the rest of it. Yep. Totally. I thought you'd agree. I thought you'd have, have more to say. No, it's uh, you pretty much like hit the nail on the head to be fair. Like it's it's a absolutely stellar episode. Uh meme worthy entirely. Like it, it it's one of the episodes that you could pretty much show anybody any clip of and they were immediately gonna be like yes like you know like if you're like, oh, we're gonna watch friends right now and then you go oh, what mystery episode of friends are we gonna watch if you hit that shuffle for button and this came up everyone is staying in their seat everybody's having a great time no one's gonna have a complaint about this episode really even even our complaint of the phoebe stuff getting kind of ignored is it like a small nitpick it's not an actual complaint no and and for me you know not all their two-parters have been a success uh but you know having this one like back to back you know, you got forty minutes of just pure joy throughout, as they have a lot of fun with, you know, the whole strip poker, Bonnie being there, Rachel getting her to shave her head, and then the arguments going on, and you know, Chandler and Monica and the jellyfish and all sorts. Like everyone gets like a a scene in a moment, definitely. Um, especially like you know, Phoebe gets gets massive amounts of of scene time to to herself to go through her story. And the other, the other guys and girls do as well. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely brilliant. And I think it's a fantastic start to Series 4, which, you know, 
I, I, I kind of forget really what happens between now and London because, you know, every episode of Friends becomes a blur after a while of just, just amazing laughs. Um, but I hope, you know, season four will be the one, which is in my mind, I think it is. Uh, but yeah, I can't wait to get through the rest of the, the season, really. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a great season to, to be into at last. Well, we would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So as I said earlier, you can write to us at contact at watchingfriends.com. Uh, so you've got a little website, watchingfriends.com, uh, where you can just find all the, the episodes and you can subscribe to the podcast there as well if you are not already subscribed. Uh, you know, tell us your thoughts. We would love to to read out some listener feedback on, on this episode. And you can support us on patreon.com forward slash watching friends, as I said earlier, where we do bonus shows. We cut out the adverts, we chat to you, we get you involved in things, and we want to do a lot more. And it basically helps us to, to do the show. And you can also find us at Watch Friends Pod on Twitter and Facebook, so you can keep up to date whenever we release an episode, which is generally weekly. We try our best to do that. Uh, where else can they find you, Ryan, if they want to hear more stuff from you? As always, you can find me at GameHype.co.uk for kind of gaming and nerdy-related shenanigans. Do they get to have more um, tangents over there as well? No, everything's quite concise and relevant on uh, GameHype. Oh, so, <laughs> so when I'm doing a review, so stick, it, yeah, it's concise. Stick with watching friends if you need to know more about Ryan's life. So you know that he's a liar. Oh no, no, no! He can't keep secrets. There we go. That could have been bad. He can't keep secrets. <laughs> there is. He can't. If anything, I'm too truthful. <laughs> he can't keep secrets. He sits in uh, row L, seat twenty-one at the cinema. Uh, he's looking forward to the new Marvel film. I'm going to say that's where you can find him, and uh, we know um, a lot more about him than we ever need to. So yeah, stick with us here. You can also find me at fuzzballs.co where I draw cute animals and we put them on t-shirts and plush toys and chocolate bars and all sorts of gifty items. So, you know, I I guess you can call it like an artist brand. So I draw stuff. Uh, so check that out. Maybe there's something that you like there as well. Other than that, um, we'll be back in a week's time for episode two of series four. I'm really looking forward to getting through this i can't wait for us to get into london because i think that's going to be a big one and uh before we go ryan have you finished listening to matthew perry's book yet uh, i haven't no uh, i'm actually really struggling with it because it's so morose and depressing that it absolutely tanks my mood when i try and listen to it um so i keep having to try and like find the right time of like my own frame of mind uh when it's like right i am prepared to listen to this now because if I try to listen to it before you know, at the start of my day, it just tanks my mood for the morning, and then it's just trying to find a bit where I feel re- mentally robust enough to actually listen to it because it's a very very heavy heavy listen. Because we we're definitely gonna... will yeah, because we're definitely going to cover the book in more detail uh, in the near future once Ryan has finished listening to it all because he's listening to the audio version. I've read the actual book. Um, I think that's going to be a very long podcast, probably a couple of podcasts to to get through it all. Um, so yeah so make sure you're subscribed and listening to us to hear that in the future as well but until next time have a great evening or day or morning wherever you are at this time at the moment and we will see you next week goodbye cheerio